Hey guys, welcome back to Screenworthy, brought to you by The Mind Refinery. I'm your host, Kyle Bodanis. This episode, we're talking about the future of theaters and how the feature film streaming experiment has worked so far this year. We'll also get into a little content news, talk about Indiana Jones 5 and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you have time, follow The Mind Refinery on social media. And now, here's the show. All right, guys, here today to talk about the post-COVID future for theaters and streaming, along with a little content news, our Mind Refinery creatives, John Neal. What's up? And Boyan Nedek. Yo. So, yeah, we're going to dive right into movie news here. Uh, as we all know, there's an impending fifth installment of Indiana Jones coming up. Uh, talented writer and actor Phoebe Waller-Bridge has just signed on, signed on about a week ago for an undisclosed but substantial role. So my first question when I hear this, and I'm throwing it out there, who the fuck greenlit an Indiana Jones movie after The Crystal Skull? <laughs> uh that sounds like a kathleen kennedy move i mean she she paid for lucasfilm and uh she's gonna squeeze every dime out of that thing let's pinch that ip till it just is completely juiced no. it's juiced already let's be serious here. it's juiced it's juiced uh realistically after temple of doom it could have been juiced and then they came back they had another one alas hurrah it was fantastic the f- uh crystal skull is like one of the worst abominations i've ever uh seen um despite somehow on by certain critics you know like uh was it have like a 74 on rotten tomatoes i'm like how the fuck is that possible not that rotten tomatoes matters but it's a idea of what multiple critics are saying i mean i'm pretty sure roger ebert gave it four and a half out of five stars when it came out and that was the beginning of my distrust in critics well I can't really argue with that but (laughs) let's let's get into the real situation is here like it's an undisclosed character who are like who do we think this is john i believe you had a a kind of a good idea we were talking we were talking about with this yeah i mean well she's british i think the logical person would be probably a granddaughter or a relative of marcus brody what would you do if she was a palpatine um i'd probably be like oh so they're connecting indiana jones and rise of skywalker somehow this will be interesting. I wonder how they'll tie that together. Han Solo is is related to Indy by like, you know, like 10,000 generations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sean Connery's his grandfather. Uh... They, they live in you now. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so we'll continue, John, with your, your theory because I thought it was. I think it's the right idea. Well, that's the theory. <laughs> it's Marcus... she's probably, yeah, that she's a relative or a granddaughter of Marcus Brody. She's going to help. And my uh, theory, by the way, is that she's already on some kind of an expedition and she needs Indy's help with something. And that's how it happens. You should write blockbusters, John. I should. My theory, my theory was similar, but I also tried to, uh, you know, uh, envision what would Kathleen Kennedy and and come up with is that uh, and also looking at this girl and then and looking at, uh, uh, you know, looking at um you know, obviously she's British, is that she's going to be a Nazi. She's uh, she's going to be a Nazi, but possibly also his daughter. It's going to, he, he had, he had a daughter with some Nazi, that Nazi spy, maybe. I don't know. She's in Somewhere the, the milita- she's in the far militant wing of uh, the Nazi party, Hydra. They're just yeah. going to pull a uh, com- coming to America too. And somehow he just had a kid and didn't remember it even though it made made absolutely no sense cool yeah. Yeah. on his adventures you know he met another uh some german adventurer and uh, that was 
it turned out to be a Nazi spy, and this is this is the daughter. I actually really like Phoebe Wall- uh, Waller Bridge. Uh, the show Fleabag that she's in, I thought is like it's like it's a great show. It's really good. Like she's her yeah. ta- her talent is without question. Like she's yeah. she's someone who people are trying to bring on because she is a great actress. She's charming, uh, f- funny and sarcastic, but also you know super talented was marcus brody in the last one i can't remember no. uh crystal skull yeah no they had a statue of him on on the campus at uh at marshall college though if you remember they the if the russians crashed into it with their car giving chase to indian mutt on their motorcycle and his head came off and went through the windshield that was the whole marcus brody <laughs> gag and crystal skull are they they're gonna retcon crystal skull right um no, no, good question like it's a good it's question a, I read that they're considering this the sequel and the conclusion to Indiana Jones. I mean, they should retcon it. Yeah. Because I mean, it's 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 not very good. Well, I mean, Shia LaBeouf's not going to be in it, so maybe there there will be some. Retconning. Maybe there will maybe there'll be some minor retconning of it, like Just... removing entire characters. Yeah, because it doesn't have... sound like they're start they're trying to start a whole new indie jo- Indiana Jones universe. You know? So I'm is kinda, he married I... in this? Is he married? Like that's my question. Is he going to be married well, I... to? I don't know. Like, I'm kind of hoping that they just don't talk about it and they just kind of pick it up randomly and he's just there by himself and he goes off on an adventure and we don't even talk about that other shit. I'm hoping that's what happens. I'm hoping it cuts right after Sean Connery dies. So he's like, yep, dad's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Not not a lot's been going on after, but dad's dead. All right. And uh, I don't remember any interactions with the Russians no. or marriage. No. I hope they retcon it. I mean, Shia LaBeouf is going to be elsewhere. Remember that embarrassing two on the nose wild ones reference in the last one where he's on the fucking motorcycle. Fucking terrible. Anyways, I'm very happy that uh, they're moving on from it. Hopefully. I mean, do we have faith this time around? The only thing I'm going to say about that is I really, really, really like James Mangold. Like he's really good. He's a really good filmmaker. He is his good. track his track record is very on point. I think I said this a while back um, because they've been talking about doing Indy Five really ever since Indy Four came out. And but I think he was attached to it maybe about a year, maybe a year or two ago. Now yeah. he's been attached to this. He's. I'm hoping what happens is best case scenario we get the Logan treatment for Indy Five. And, and 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 that's what he does with it. Uh, the worst case scenario is that it turns out to just be just they throw Harrison Ford in there to just give it some like a name credit to continue the Indiana Jones series yeah. for for whatever their purposes are to continue it. I think it's dead. Personally, I would I'm willing to give it a fighting chance just because James Mangold is doing it. You could, even though I love Spielberg, like I can't say enough good things about Steven Spielberg, obviously, but his heart was, his heart wasn't in it. His heart isn't in it. And it, and it wasn't in it. He wanted to end it after the third one. And it's very obvious that he did just from watching the fourth one. So I don't necessarily have faith in Disney to do something good with this, but James Mangold, I do. So, I'm willing to give it a fighting chance just for James Mangold. I don't know. For me, that doesn't that, that's not enough. For You're me. too I, cynical very... to give it a chance, boy. You're too that's cynical fair. for it. You that's know, fair, and, though. But here's the thing. I'm cynical and you uh, for reasons that you're probably not guessing. And it's mo- it has more to do with Harrison Ford than Disney or whoever's writing it or whoever's directing it. Uh, I think Harrison is beyond you know the age 
you know, ability to give a fuck no matter what it is, uh, where he can act more than than ju- he can act like beyond, you know, just being an old, bitter, grumbly old man. You know what I mean? I, I don't think he has it in him anymore. And I, really, he should retire. And, and, you know, Indiana Jones has always been an adventure movie and the lead needs to be, you know, not young enough, y- young enough to be an adventurer, <laughs> right? And, and then you know, and what do you do when your lead? I mean, there's a suspension of disbelief, you know, that's involved in the, in this, where you know, if he he has to do stuff where you believe he's capable of doing to some extent, even if it's you know crazy and fantastical with him swinging from trees and whatnot. But and that's gone when when you have Harrison Ford for me at least. Mm-hmm. So I think. I think he, that's for me. That's one reason why I think Indiana Jones should just not be made anymore, and and the main one. And uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think. The, and base. And the other problem is, it's because it's an, it's it's you know the movies Indiana Jones. You can't make, you know, you can't be like, oh, and this is his kid, and she's an adventurer too, and she's <laughs> gonna go and find Forge. Like it's not Indiana Jones anymore. Yeah. Uh, if it's not a Harrison yeah. Ford thing, my dad's and a he's mechanic, and I can't drive a car. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you know what i mean like it like i i the the acting thing is a big thing 100 percent. like what's mm-hmm. he gonna do like have adventures to the washroom three times a night like <laughs> it's just i i'm obviously i want it like i want it to be good i don't want to go that's to the kid in you that's the nostalgia yeah. that's the but kid also it's saying... the it's the it's the i'm spending my like when I talk oh, I'm about certainly not going to pay 34 bucks on Disney Plus to watch it. Yeah, I, I mean, but like, I think my thing, my thing is, is that anytime I'm putting like two hours of my time into something, uh, as I shuffle closer to ridding my mortal coil, uh, I, you know, I, I like, I, I'm not rooting for movies to be terrible unless they're really james cameron movies that's really and even then I'm like, I love some james cameron movies. Yeah. So like, I, I, I remains to be seen. I think they're on. I mean, we're going to get into a good example of Disney next, but uh, uh, it's on the feature film front in pre-existing enterprises like Star Wars or the Lucas, you know, like fucking Indiana Jones. I'm just not really convinced. Okay, let's move on to Falcon and Winter Soldier. It's uh, making some noise as another success. For Disney uh, taking big screen properties and creating series out of it, uh, we're currently around the halfway point. Uh, just want to check in on the series and what we're thinking about it. What do we think, and does this thing have a future? I mean, I think it. I think it has a future. I mean, it's it's. I found it entertaining enough that I want to see the rest of it. I don't think. I mean, obviously, it's a lot more um, mainstreamish in terms of Marvel and what they've released so far. It's much like most of their movies uh early movies you know before the uh, big uh final battles and whatnot end game and all that uh and i i don't know what it's i mean i don't know what it says about marvel movies and th- those those ones when you know it doesn't come off any different quality wise than their regular movies like it, it feels like i'm just watching winter soldier and captain america level of movie and my concern sort of generally with this series and and what they're touching on is basically you know there's in a superhero world there's right and wrong and that's kind of that's the illusion of that world that's what you buy into that these superpower people are somehow you know not just like regular human beings where the power is going to go to their head and they're going to use it for 
bad things. And, 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 and it's not a world that has a lot of gray in it either. And as soon as you start putting in real sort of injustices and oppression and, uh, you know, class and race struggles into these movies, I think you, you are inherently killing the superhero mythos and, and illusion because it, it, superheroes don't stand up to a world where all that exists because what are they what are they really fighting i mean if they go in to fight uh this terrorist who who really you know is fighting for the common people and i mean their quasi government you know avenger b squad hitmen is is what it comes off as and they're if they're fighting any kind of real villain like that with well, not even a real villain if they're fighting a person like that they're fighting somebody who's fighting the real problems with the world and they're fighting on the on behalf of corporations and governments and you know they, they're like oh it's wrong because you killed people you know is what they say to the girl but uh, when 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 they when they uh, you know when she performed that attack on on the uh, supply depot there that kind of she stepped over the line but like yeah okay you you stopped a murderer by killing all of her people and but what are you really doing to you know fight the real problems and that's that's kind of where for me superhero falls apart or superhero worlds fall apart. Interesting. Um, that is actually, interesting. That I is actually really think interesting. I actually think that's a really good point, Boyan. I th and I think we can probably get more into that um, if we have time. But yeah, we got time. Let's um, and, and just and just and, and, sorry. And just to like put it in a more succinct way, Batman. I love Batman, but as soon as you pick it apart for a second, like why is this billionaire fighting these crazy, you know, uh, cr people criminals when he can use his money to solve the core issues uh, <laughs> of his city and yeah. these people yeah. would not exist. Yeah. So like if you if you apply that logic to a superhero it just falls apart. They look like crazy psychopaths that are that yeah. aren't beholden to government or rule of law or or, uh, yeah. or the people and they just go around and killing and hurting and 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 putting people in hospitals at best uh and ruining the, their lives that way you know what i mean like so someone mm -hmm. just goes up to bruce yeah. wayne and they're like okay so mr wayne i had an idea could you take some of your money and um create social programs that work <laughs> yeah. to help impoverished areas and to uh lower crime rates and in recidivism rates and he's just like <laughs> i don't have time for that i'm batman <laughs> i cannot do that yeah the, can i do that with a gadget what if i made this gadget w would that yeah. solve no no sir we need we, we just need some funding and where's the bat wing out. yeah we're seeing... can the bat wing deliver <laughs> foods yes. how about we make a bat wing and kill them um, so, uh, so yeah, sorry, yeah. just to balance that out, I, I just want to say some things that I like about it first, because I actually do think, boy, and that point is, is really pretty bang on. I think the superhero genre does have its limitations, and I've always really felt that way. The things that I do like about it is I is I am getting some Winter Soldier and Civil War vibes from this show. And in particular, like Winter Soldier is easily my favorite Marvel film that they that they came out with. Yeah, it's really good. it's really interesting how they how they um, you know brought back Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, Bucky is a terrific character with a lot of depth and a lot of layers, um, and I'm and I'm really liking what they're doing with his character post post Endgame with this show. The scene at the beginning of uh, Episode Four where he's in Wakanda and they're trying to basically get that brainwash 
crashing out of his system is is a really cool moment and i thought that was just really unique how they showed that i didn't expect that and i also like how the captain america is going to be the villain yeah, in the show yeah. that that is really cool like that, that is that to, is a nice to their credit that was a really good angle to take with this because captain america is the new winter soldier that's the yeah. that's where they're going with this so i just wanted to get that out of the way that episode four in particular is where this show is now picking up steam because of the events that happen in episode four uh the ending where he kills that guy with the shield yeah, it it, that, it got my attention in episode four. The first three episodes, kind of doing the heavy lifting, really wasn't a great deal happening. But I also really like the actor that plays Zemo as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, I, it's uh, I forget his name for the. I think it's is, is, is it Daniel Bruhl? Is that his name? Oh, Daniel the one Brule? from uh, the one from fucking Tarantino. Uh, yeah, Inglourious from uh, Glorious Bastards. It's Daniel Bruhl. I really like Daniel Bruhl. He was good. I mean, he's he's everything he's in. He's pretty fucking good in. Wasn't he in that German movie where um him and uh what's her name something Scholl, uh they were like the the uh people who like during you know the time of Nazis were actually like fighting against them or were against them and they got killed for it. I I'm not what sure. I have well, if I'm pretty if sure it he is, was in I that movie. He's very good. He yeah. plays Nikki Lauda as well in the movie. Yeah, Rush. that's oh, yeah. right. He's, he's in Russia. Yeah. That. and he's that's my that's my I think that's my favorite part. Yeah, yeah. That, that, no, that's that a, I mean. He's, I would say, he's one of those really good casting choices. Yeah. Another, another good really casting choice where like he, he's an actor that definitely just is above above this. I would say like he's 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 been yeah. really really good in in so many movies, mm-hmm. and then he shows up in this and he actually makes a, a villain interesting. Yeah. yeah something it's really, we've. It's 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 really quite. I mean, I was really surprised actually that this was good. I because mm-hmm. I thought I didn't know if they were going to be able to translate it and like yeah the things they did with Bucky's character is really cool when he's mm-hmm. just kind of like you know he's in with a psychiatrist and they're trying to like work back all this shit that's mm-hmm. happened to him and all that you know and I haven't watched WandaVision yet but Falcon Winter Soldier like it's been decent so far I'm I'm not I am one episode away from being caught up I'm not particularly worried about spoilers if you are worried about spoilers obviously don't listen mm-hmm. and I think Captain America movies were the best in the MCU like of the yeah. character movies like they even were. the first one was pre- like it was your standard origin movie it wasn't bad you know what I mean it was kind of interesting and uh but Winter Soldier and Civil War or like Winter Soldier I is the best yeah. Marvel one for me mm-hmm. and yeah. this storyline has been really great and kind of like continued that and um I think if they continue with this arc and the way it's going, like I, it'll bear fruits. And like, it, it, boy, and you're totally right about the, you know, it's like watching the movie. Like, and I think that was the whole point of the, nope. fa- that was the whole point of the Falcons, that opening and, scene with G- yeah. G- George and St. Pierre. And yeah. unlike, unlike Mandalorian, they don't get the, they don't get to like fall back on having that uh, cyclotron or whatever it's called. Right. That, that, that was like a thing that Mandalorian used to really up, up the quality of a tv show to almost full star wars cinema level uh mm-hmm. in terms of the visuals and you know they don't they don't really get to do i mean maybe they are using the technology and i just haven't noticed but they don't really get to do that in this and and you know mm-hmm. they still have to shoot on location a lot and and you know studio regular studio sets and whatnot and they're it's yeah i i can barely tell the difference it just feels like a marvel movie yeah which isn't entertaining enough like i'm I, not i'm not I a hater of those movies because they're not super deep or something you know what i mean yeah. they're just they're entertainment and that's mm-hmm. fine yeah, yeah i know like there's there's some there's some good stuff but i mean 
you know, I think that's what the whole thing with that Falcon scene was. Like, we're just trying to kind of get you in the mode that it's going to be like, you know, it's going to be that kind of experience mm-hmm. just on a smaller screen. I want to, what I got from your statement though, which I thought was really interesting, boy, and it was a really good point, is that, you know, uh, Bucky and uh, Falcon are just shills for uh, a fascist capitalist government mm-hmm. who. Uh, but even, even, yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, <laughs> but it's like you know you know what i mean like when you when you really i mean i'm it's getting too far now but when you really look into like reading it what kind of people buy into these systems is like there's a lot of people with good intentions that support oppressive systems in yeah. the world right and oppressive regimes and they think they're doing good but like they you know once they they don't look deep enough and and yeah. you know what i mean and and, and I, it's interesting that it asks those questions but i doubt that disney's gonna ever go far enough to really to really make that obvious because it you know what i mean when they when when um um oh god what's his name when uh the falcon goes to the bank you know and the bank is denying him a loan right. you know based on bullshit but possibly it's a racism you know what i mean it's it's the fact that it doesn't click in his head eventually and maybe it does. Maybe that's where the series is leading to that, that, you know, this is, this is the bigger problem. It's a bigger problem. This is a bigger problem than some girl and, and who is, who's basically, uh, uh, you know, bringing supplies and medicine, uh, to, 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 you know, refugees and, and people who, who, who came back after, after the blip. Yeah. You know what I mean, that's, that's the bigger issue because mm-hmm. that problem wouldn't exist if, if, it, if, you know, if there was a solution for the banker and his type. I yeah. kind of liked that scene because I think kind of the point is that he's oblivious because he's yeah. been like living in Falcon land and <laughs> you know what I mean? He's been it's like, that, but it's also, yeah, it's also a bigger, sorry for interrupting you again, but it's, no, no, I feel he... like part of his obliviousness and part of, part of that whole thing is that, you know, it's the after effect of this Captain America, which is kind of like this, you know, what's it called? Um, the American American exceptionalism, like uh, yeah. Captain America, is American exceptionalism, and you know, in being in proximity to him, and and I think I feel like that that's part of the effect that's on him. And, yeah, and no, I think that's, that's what actually... needs to be removed. Yeah. yeah, you know, to from his mindset, that's what he needs to get rid of in order to realize, you know, what he really needs to do in the world. No, I think that's a good point, and that's exactly correct. Like that's why, like that for me is like a very like is the purpose of that, and. It's like for me, it's interesting, but I also know what you're saying too, because it's like if they start going into things like racism and stuff like that, it's like how does like the Marvel universe deal yeah. with that? Because you're putting it up against like <laughs> earthly problems and yeah. like like, uh, but it's like, also like interstellar problems and yeah. yeah. It's also like uh, you know, it's one thing if somebody kills somebody or they're about to kill somebody and you go and punch them and you solve that problem by punching them. <laughs> but it's another problem if you know if there's an entrenched government and that's been that's been oppressing a class of people or a race of people. Yeah. Uh, you know, for generations, like well, who do you go punch? You know, what I mean, there's too many people to punch and might not even solve the problem. Yeah, these guys are just. And develop like, a, dr- a like a drug addiction trying to figure it out yeah. they just like i will say smoking and mm-hmm. shit yeah i will say the counterpoint though to me was that one scene uh where uh where bucky is like he's making amends and he goes and yeah. <laughs> he threatens that politician who who basically he using his you know his uh 
him as an assassin and a hitman he she got power and she's she's a corrupt official and he goes and he fixes that problem by basically threatening to, to punch her or kill her or whatever or being threatening yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is funny he solves uh, he, he solves corruption by by you know by threats of violence all he, all we needed was a uh, robotic arm. Who knew? <laughs> I, I feel like Disney is kind of. It's weird because, like, we touched talked about Indiana Jones, and do we trust them? And I'm like, no. Like, I just generally <laughs> know, right? But like the series they're putting out based on these franchises. Again, I haven't seen Wandavision yet. I, but like, they're kind of good. Like the star, like Mandalorian's been good. I mean, we'll see what's going to happen because there's going to be a huge flood of shows coming out. Like they really haven't had these really running against each other yet. But that's pretty smart too. It, it is. They, but they still, it, they're still building faith in what they're building. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. but with the well, amount of Star Wars this, coming out yeah. though, like there's a a ton of Star Wars shit coming out. Yeah, we'll oh, so, see. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, how that goes. Like, but do we have to give them credit at this point for the quote unquote blockbuster series? Not yet. I don't that's think we a, have to yet. Maybe maybe that's not a thing yet. Maybe they haven't created it yet. You know, maybe that's the beginning of something. You know, I, I do. It will be as much as, you know, it's easy for me to hate on a, a corporation like that for all the reasons, legitimate reasons. Uh, it would be kind of, it was it'd be spiteful to, den- to deny that, like, amongst all the glut of superhero, superhero series that uh, they're not, you know, creating some of the best stuff that's out there. Yeah, I mean, and- I also I also think though that uh, at least for me, I'm really ready to move beyond superhero genre, yeah. like just in general, just as far as what I'm consuming on, on these services and just what I'm looking for yeah. next. I, I, like, I'm not taking these things seriously to the point where mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god, I'm like ready to fawn over uh, whatever the hell they put out, no matter how yeah. good it is. Like at the end of the day, it's still. We a found over Mandalorian. Show. We found yeah. Mandalorian. Yeah, well, like I mean, you know, there's fun. Yeah, but there's it's Star Wars. Like this is a different thing. We're talking superheroes here. It's great. Go have fun with it. But at the end of the day, it's just superheroes. Uh, like like I'm not looking to uh, to to you know just binge as much of this shit as I can. Like if it's yeah. if it's fun and entertaining, great. I'll throw it on and and just have a watch for 45 minutes and 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 that's it. And I'm fine I with think- that. I think John, uh, uh, that uh, the boys is basically the beginning yes. of the end, mm-hmm. uh, and not not in like oh it's ruining superheroes. As in, it's my my response to to what I you know what I said earlier about this series and about you know when it when it gets too real, that's yeah. what that's what the boys is taking on. Like yes. what happens when you put when you put these people this illusion in the real world, it falls apart. Absolutely. And I think culturally, maybe, and maybe hopefully I, I, on my part and your part, I think is that hopefully we're getting to a point where this is going to start dying down to st- on a, on a bigger scale. I'm obviously Disney's going to be keeping, keep pumping yeah. this stuff out. But from yeah. like but a cultural point, importance, yeah. quote unquote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 No, absolutely. I think it's like God, at some point, I also think that a show like the boys, that kind of satire comes out when things are oversaturated. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Where you're looking mm-hmm. to completely subvert the the situation because I think even with like I don't know what the hell the next step of the MCU looks like. No. You know, like I, I I just like there's characters in there, but I don't know how like fucking interesting they are. Like yeah, like I, like even I yeah. 
I, I who's just the can't next tell. guy that's going to end the universe? Like, you know what I mean? It's mm. going to get old if that. Well, that's... I'm wondering if they're going to Fantastic because Galactus makes sense to me. Uh, like, that's really the only other. Though there, there is some. Options. But once you get to that scale, like ending all of reality or, or killing half of reality, like, oh, what's the it's next? True. How you do you go up you, beyond that? Yeah. You didn't leave any. Uh, like you didn't leave any room in there you know what i mean like all galactus is gonna do is come and eat the planet that's what he does he consumes worlds uh but like so you've already hit this high watermark of villainy with thanos so what are you going at next and also like you're getting to some of the b squad characters Mm -hmm. like yeah iron man's gone uh captain america's gone and like though like there's not many other super fucking like ones that i think can carry an entire you know ip not on the marvel side not on the marvel side you know what i mean yeah um mm-hmm. not at least until they start dipping into like x-men and shit like that like that's really and mm-hmm. like but in terms of what is in the established universe already yeah i mean i i could i could watch a few more spider-man movies i think uh yeah this 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 run of spider-man with what's his name tom i can't remember Tom Holland, I think I, I like. I think he's he's a really good actor for this. Like he's a this yeah. is a perfect role for him. Um, and I, I could I could stand to watch a few more of those. But uh, of the big tentpole, you know, major Marvel characters, I don't really care yeah. <laughs> anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they fucked yeah. up the X Men IP now. Oh yeah. Like, well, that's so, you know Fox. Yeah. Like it's just like up like Age of Apocalypse was just yeah. outrageously terrible. Yeah. One hundred percent. I think he probably was like, "You're gonna put this movie where after the amount of work and time we went and put into this thing and money, so we could make it big screen perfect. You're gonna do what now? Well, if that's the case, uh, I'm gonna fucking go Grossman all over your ass right about now. That's one hundred percent what happened. Yeah, I don't. That's a thing. I don't. I don't. I. I, I doubt that. Actors have that much power. I mean, I I really do. Well, Tom, sure. Mission Impossible, Top Gun. Yeah, he's he's a one movie man. Look, he's. Mm, I I really. I don't. I I think. Here's the thing. Here's. I think uh, these studios have a lot of assets tied up. uh, You know, a lot of money tied up into in the whole theater system, and you know. If they really wanted to make a Titanic change, and 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 if all the studio heads got together, and there's really not a lot of them to 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 you know, there's a few of them, and it's easier for them to agree. If they really wanted to do that, and they saw money in completely changing the system, they would do it. The fact that things are turning around pandemic wise, or at least seem to be, uh, I think is is more has more to do with that. Which because if they buy into the whole just streaming and only streaming, and completely give up on 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 cinema and like like live uh sure not live theaters then that's 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 a lot of money that they're also giving up on no matter how much it costs there's that's a lot of assets that they're giving up on so i think this turnaround in the pandemic is is more has more to do with that than tom cruise and i think if if basically i mean the only way i would believe that actors had that much power was if he's not just an actor by the way He's not just. An actor. I, I get it. I get. It. But like, if all He's these actors, pro- all these actors who are also producers and whatnot, if they all got together and said "fuck you" to the studios and made their own thing, then I would believe that they had that much power. But I, I don't think. I, I don't know. I doubt that this is. Oh, Tom Cruise said this, so we're gonna do this. I don't. I don't think it's solely because of that. I definitely think it's part of it, though. 
I think I it was a big think part of Paramount's yeah. narrative. Yeah, Paramount's not necessarily Warner Brothers with with Dune and and Matrix. Yeah, and, like uh, those are different. I would say those are different situations. In that, mm. like for example, uh, well, first of all, I would have my question is other than filmmakers who well, first of all, more than filmmakers who guarantees the draw on most blockbuster films. Yeah, it's talent. It's yeah. a talent, yeah, right? So if mm-hmm. all of a sudden, and also Mission Impossible props up Paramount. Like Paramount doesn't have a to- like a ton of other, like Warner Brothers is th- probably the most powerful studio outside of Disney in terms of like sheer uh, IP and you know the films it's representing and all the this kind of stuff. Uh, but Paramount, like there's the, like they need ta- they need this stuff to to do to do good. And Tom Cruise is producer on it too. I, you know what? I wouldn't even be surprised at this point if he has final cut as yeah. producer because, well, he would, he probably has worked his way into have editorial authority because he's mm-hmm. like, why am I going to do that? Like this guy is doing his own stunts and producing. He, if he were to leave to make a point of something, I'm going to tell you right now, one, I think Disney scoops him like right away, grabs him. And uh, like, you can't be losing that. And also actors follow and on the other side of it, like actors follow filmmakers. Yeah. So if a filmmaker like Chris Nolan or Denny Villeneuve's like, we're not going there, then actors who want to work with him, who are among the most talented in their craft, will want to work with him. And then you have a fucking huge problem. So they have a lot of, I mean, there is, it's a push pull thing because the studio has powered 98% of the time, but then that 2% is when a filmmaker or an actor hits like, critical mass and is required to put asses in the seats yeah but yeah. i don't think it's the I mean, sole thing no i feel like when it comes down to do i does an actor keep getting work on these kinds of movies you know if, if it's between his career or her career and and standing up for you know standing up for theaters i i, I just don't think that these that these actors have the courage to actually stand against that and stand against the studios. If the studios really wanted to push streaming and completely give up on theaters, I don't think actors, these actors, especially the established ones who fought so hard to get to where they are and have all this money as a result of the system would actually fight that. I'm That's saying, just, I'm I just saying don't have proof. Tom Cruise has just been a vocal, like to the point of being a psychopath about, uh, I would say worse than maybe even Chris Nolan is about, this needs to stay in the theater. First of all, I think he's, since he's tiny, he's worried about being on a tiny screen uh, <laughs> instead of a big screen where he's much taller. Uh, this just in, Napoleon Complex saves Oh my God, cinema. 100%. Saves so like Tom Cruise is an example of someone where I would say I would put my money on that not being true. I would say most other actors, there's certain actors who can afford to do, who can afford to do this and kind of do whatever they want because at this point, like okay you're going to streaming i'll just go to a better streaming service yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh but i mean like as i said there's probably like another like there's i i mean being the studio exec west to tell him that would be fucking amazing Uh yeah he just channels Les grossman every time he's talking to these studio execs yeah take a step back (laughs) how much do you think though and john we'll start with you how much do you think that affects decisions and i'm not saying anything to to push leverage and stuff but like we're at a time where people are trying to grab talent so you got to be making the most attractive deal so how much do you think the way these things are released whether it's 
on streaming or on the theater, you know, in the theater affect, you know, actors decision making? I mean, I think it all comes down to really, or at least it should all come down to the material and sort of what the what the intention is behind it. Like, I mean, it's one thing if we're talking about a series, because, you know, then obviously streaming service is the way to go. But if we're talking about movies, uh, you know, more often than not moving to a streaming platform, I think you are going to have some actors at least the ones that can afford to turn down certain things, turn down more of them to appear on big screens more. I, I do think that. But to boy, to what Boyan uh, said earlier, uh, when you're in a position to not turn down anything, uh, you know, you're going to take whatever you can get. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, I, I would love to see more actors and filmmakers talking about, you know, keeping uh, cinema going. I think the studios should have an obligation to promote going to the cinema more than they than, than they do. But yeah, like, like I think it's going to be a bit of both. I think it's going to be people that, that can, uh, you know, pick their projects more carefully will lean towards more more of the uh, cinema side. And, and those that can't will just take whatever they can get. That's what I think. Can I can I throw in my my you know fantasy hypothetical? Here it comes. This? No, no, Here this is, is a good guys. one. This is a good one. Um, it's basically <laughs> this <fucking> better be. <laughs> I, I my my fantasy is that the the uh, the studios will really want to push the streaming thing, and they're all they're all gonna they're all gonna be on it together, and they're all gonna have their own services, and all the all the all the major talent and 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 uh, you know producers and whatnot are going to say fuck you and they're going to they're going to break off from the system completely and, and start doing their own thing you know they, they already have money they can start their own studios uh they just have to, you know i mean they and they and you know all these theaters are going to be up for sale because these streaming services these studios supporting streaming services are not going to give a fuck about them you know they'll buy them up and maybe we'll see a second renaissance of of of, of hollywood cinema you know a second you know 70s era renaissance of 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 you know that mid-budget uh maybe auteur auteur type movies or you know that's that's my fantasy in this situation is that they say fuck you to the big studios because they're 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 going to tv basically they're going to streaming and they do their own thing and they do it better yeah but i don't think that's the that's the, <laughs> i don't think that that's the re- going to be the reality at all i mean i just the, would like it to be yeah the only the only thing i will say that's kind of positive about the whole streaming service thing and the studios is that back in the 70s when we had this renaissance of these young filmmakers it was the films were shown in the cinema now it's all the young filmmakers are finding a place on the streaming service first yeah it's more accessible though. i will it's definitely more, throw in there from right? a historical standpoint the sundance generation as a second renaissance because yeah. then it t- changes from like going to the sunday matinee or whatever to like the idea of like festival culture and then yeah. from there's streaming yeah, that's fair. I just, I guess, in terms of like the opportunities that were yeah. presented in the '70s when the studios were being sold to corporations that had no idea how to make a movie, so they hired a bunch of young kids to produce to all this to, to let them do whatever they wanted and fucking change change the game. It's we're seeing that now, but with a streaming service type deal. But like, I mean, obviously, I I want cinema to be here forever. Nobody, yeah. I don't think, really deep down wants it to go away. Like, there's nothing like seeing an awesome flick in the cinema there's nothing like it and almost i mean on average uh i would say it's it's you know uh, content that's been that's been created by 
created and owned by by creatives tends to be better. Yeah. Not always, but tends to be better. I would Most say. of the time. Most and I would and, and I think it would be a great improvement if more if more artists actually controlled and owned their own content. You know what I mean? And there would be less there would be less uh, you know exploitation of, of, of these people. I definitely agree that because at the end of the day, even if you're an actor, you can pay for your labor, right? If you don't own points yeah. on things. And there is, you know, certain advantages and disadvantages, mostly disadvantages to just that, which is why actors are always trying to, like, get points on back end, mm-hmm. you know, own pieces of the IP. You see that in series two, people trying to, you know, own parts of the IP. I mean, at the end of the day, I think that, you know, people are going to work where they're going to work. And I think uh, one of the big things that's going to happen is is that... Like one thing I like about streaming is is it's basically returning the mid range movie, uh, you know the mid budget movie, you know uh, a bit, and it's like because the studios are risk adverse, you know they're looking for ten poles, this kind of you know this kind of thing, yeah. and you know streaming is where like a, a movie like Roma, you know that wouldn't have been made even like or like Mank, right? Like mm-hmm. how does Mank get made under any other circumstance? So I think it's like. I mean, the big thing for me is what is the relationship between streaming and theater? Uh, sorry, and going to the theater. Because you have to create... Because if studios are becoming risk-averse... Well, not becoming, are completely risk-averse in terms of mid-range, non-pre-existing uh, IP, then you may have to look for streaming in for the, in the long term in the even longer term in terms of like where to get that fix from because i mean one thing that the sundance generation kind of taught us here is that the 20 million dollar movie can be fucking completely awesome but it's kind of largely gone away well yeah. i think that's more of an issue uh, i have with the studios than anything else it's like they still should be not risk averse you're a fucking movie studio like your yeah. your job is to i understand it's a business but at the same time you're in the business of making art so i mean the whole point uh, of making art is to take risks and yeah. and and to do that and and i get it like whatever we're talking about in in some cases tens of millions of dollars hundreds of million dollars whatever it's still the business that you're in take yeah. a fucking chance you know what I'm saying? Yeah. If you, I mean, it's it's like you know, uh, movies and restaurants is like if you wanted to make safe money, go do something else, right? Go go do yeah, something that is thing. never gonna like you know be not not an assen- uh, not essential or something like that. You know what I mean? Like if you're in in a, in a restaurant business or in a cinema business, you're doing it. You, you, there should be some passion, some intention, some, you know, what I mean, some understanding that it's it's inherently a risky thing, and and you know, what I mean, and yeah, I think that some of that has been lost. Well, the problem is that they're corporations, and corporations are completely risk averse. It's it's they're you know, the shareholders. They, the well, yeah, and like the George Lucas had the. You remember the George Lucas interview with Charlie Rose where he talked about how their ba- how a big corporation is basically the antithesis of what a movie studio is right Mm -hmm. or or it's basically like you know like they we've done market research and you know we've discovered that if we you know send the filmmaker out to just bet on red instead of you know betting on black uh six times out of ten the return comes back or whatever it is so we'll just you're not allowed to bet on black You, you can only bet on red and so that's where the whole risk thing comes in is is they've tried to project their way into success by not taking risks and you know it works out i would say just a hair more than it doesn't work out 
You know what I mean? And that's kind of the situation that we're in right now, where the majority of movies that we're seeing in theaters are films that already have a built-in audience, a.k.a. superhero films mm-hmm. and fucking you know, Star Wars and all this stuff that's already been around, right? So I wonder I think I think we all we have similar, uh, you know, theater habits when it comes to going to the theater. Right. Mm-hmm. I, for me, it's it's I'm either going to uh, Tiff Lightbox to see old movies or to see, you know, foreign movies or something like that. Or or I'm going to see, you know, or I'm going to, uh, uh, you know, Scotiabank or whatever Cineplex uh, to see, you know, some kind of massive like a temple or like a uh, big epic that I can see on IMAX or something like that. And like, I, I just wonder how, if if we're a, a niche when it comes to that, or, like if we're a small percentage of theater goers that go to the theater for those reasons or if we represent maybe a more common sort of audience i I just don't i don't know what do you think i mean i i think we're a minority yeah in in that sense like in that sense people go either just don't go to the theater anymore or they go like i think we like one i think we're one third of theater goers i think most i say at least two thirds of theater goers are going to see the big shit but we're not like we're seeking out stuff you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. yeah like yeah like we're not like i don't consider myself to be a member of the general audience and i don't think you do either right so see they they still they still release you know movies that you know when you again not counting this pandemic they they were still releasing movies that now we when we talk about it we'd be like yeah that's just i'm just gonna watch that at home i'm gonna stream that like i'm not gonna go watch whatever the fuck like some you know basic comedy or some mediocre movie you know what i mean i'm not gonna pay money to go to the theater mm-hmm. but they're still putting those out or they were still putting those out fairly consistently and putting and giving them theatrical releases so who watches those movies and is that is that like a non-existent audience basically are they is their money just not even worth it well things like romantic comedies and like those like oh, some of those movies that you're talking about I mean we're looking at romantic comedies or like you know the general comedies again that were in the a certain price range that would come out and studios could always expect people to be going to them mm-hmm. you know what I mean and, or like family movies probably fall into the same uh, thing yes another thing too but now like I think people can assume that they're going to come out on streaming now because again like the mid-range the mid mid-range budget movie comes out on you know it comes out on, on streaming now and yeah a lot of the you know so the basic ass shit is like they've even that's i mean that stuff's even too risky for them so they yeah. just kind of put it aside what i want to know is guys is just to contextualize this like what do you think the relationship ideally for you is between uh film and streaming like what flicks go on streaming? Which ones go to the theater? Like, where's the overlap? What do you think? I mean, I I think I kind of touched on it with the with my previous, you know, discussion about what kind of audience we are. Is that like, yeah, I've got kind of like a cinephile, you know, I'm a, I'm a cinephile type audience member, right? So for me to go to the theater, it has to be something that was certainly created to be seen on a massive screen, like with purpose, you know what I mean? Like an, uh, an epic, you know, uh, uh, either a Christopher Nolan type epic or uh, I'm, I'm kind of at a loss for saying it now, but like something that just really needs to be seen on a big IMAX screen. And I almost, I mean, if I look through my tickets, I almost don't 
other than Tiff uh, Lightbox, like I said, I don't, I almost don't go to movies unless they're on IMAX, and 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 usually if the ones that I do go to are not just IMAX because it's like 3D or some crap like that, but they're they're epics in that sense where they require that kind of screen, and uh, and then streaming is just I'm um, you know comfortable and easy for everything else. Um, I this is like this is part of um like a bigger issue which has been going on for years as well which is the rising cost of ticket prices at the theater and the rising cost of food popcorn and shit at the theater like Boyan, am i fair to say that the reason the like in order to get you out of the house to go see one of these things is partially also because it costs Absolutely. $20. Absolutely. I was going to say uh, convenience is a huge factor. Like not every movie deserves my time and attention to not just to go see it, but for me to go get out of the fucking house, you know, plan my day or, or you know, make sure, you know, call my friends and all this stuff. It's, you know, there's it's got to deserve that and and i you know with streaming with so much stuff uh, the, so much good stuff that i can just watch at home what about the cost of of a, of a ticket because that's well, kind of what i was pointing well, to well see it's that's like... where yeah that's where it kind of it's offset because it, it to me the time and effort it takes to actually go see it is a bigger somewhat of a bigger problem bigger problem than the cost of it because because it's some because these movies that make me want to go and see in the theater come along so rarely i don't mind spending the higher price on them Mm -hmm. now if i didn't have streaming and you know and the prices were that high i would be pissed yeah right Mm -hmm. yeah well for me it's kind of like I tend to agree that in order for me to go see something like it's got to be an experience, it's got to be, you know, it's got to transport me, you know, and that's what a film on the big screen should be like. But then like I I point to two, you know, very memorable experiences of going to the, the cinema to see two completely different films. Obviously, Fellowship of the Ring, when that first came out. I knew nothing about it. My mom was like, let's go. We got to see this movie. I don't care if you don't want to go see it. We're going. Turns out to be the greatest cinema going experience of my life. I was 13 mm-hmm. years old. It changed everything. Same. Yeah. The second experience was going with, I think, a few of you to the Scotiabank Theater downtown Toronto to see Pulp Fiction. And it was a packed house. The film is 20 years old, right? Yeah. Everyone's seen it. And the audience was absolutely electric. I have yeah. never been in a theater that was that much fun to watch a movie in and the film was is 20 years old, you yeah. know? So, I mean, it's like, yeah, like in order for me to go to the theater now, it's like there there needs to be a reason to draw me to go. And part of that is the cost that it that it that it's it costs for a ticket and it's like yeah it's like we live in a different world now where we have all this media and technology at our fingertips as opposed to the you know the 1930s when it cost a nickel to go to the pictures uh when there was no television and no radio and that's and you the had only not, not much else thing. better to do if you exactly right yeah so that's what you did right like obviously it's a different world now but i mean there's still you know there's always going to be that balance where it's like yeah, the thing that I remember about going to the movies the most and that I still take away is that, you know, I, I just want to be transported when I'm there. I want to have an experience that I'm that I that is going to want to bring me back again. And, you know, that's the challenge I think now for filmmakers is is they have to yeah. 
is that they have to make me want to leave my house to go see what they're putting out, and and, and they have to give pre- me a reason. It's a lot to. of pressure. It's a lot really, of pressure. Yeah, yeah. Imagine yeah. being, imagine thinking, thinking about this way as a filmmaker. You never want to make a film again with that kind of pressure because it's like, oh, so I made. A, if I don't make a movie good enough, and you and you went to see it because you thought it was going to be good, and you paid all that money, and you spent all that time, and you fucking hate it, you're not going to want to come back to see one of my movies ever again. Which is true for me for for a lot of filmmakers who like. I they go on my maybe cautiously I'll stream it and if mm-hmm. you gain my trust again maybe I'll see it in, in your next movie yeah. in the theater again but probably not mm-hmm. yeah I mean I like the convenience of being able to watch Judas and the Black Messiah in the comfort of my own home I mean but it was like such a great looking flick and the, you know mm-hmm. there's big rally scenes and Daniel Kalu- Kaluuya is you know in front of this audience and his charisma and like I would have liked to have seen him 20 yeah. feet tall doing that performance Absolutely. right yeah. right and I I don't know if we've learned enough about the market yet to cuz like at the at the way it is right now if you're a theater the economically prudent situation even with these ridiculous um you know these ridiculous box offices that you get at the end of the day the fucking theaters aren't in your ecosystem it's Mm. not part of your vertical integration it's something they never cracked into and you know very few companies have a stranglehold on that business but like the like viewing prices and like getting your movie in theaters is expensive and it's money that leaves your wallet as a studio so that is why i believe like they're going to push them for me a lot of the movies that we talk about liking and the you know i'll go there's there's several movies there's several sorry filmmakers that i'll go to the theater for Mm -hmm. jordan peele um fucking uh why can't i remember his name wes anderson tarantino uh, tarantino pta all this kind of shit like you know i i feel like i've been at those films but i mean a lot of those audio a lot of the filmmakers around that budget level i mean i've like serious television has kind of taken that over yeah and here's the me. sad thing and you, you brought up a really good point the sad thing is that there are movies that are solely coming out on streaming like judas and black and the black Messiah, um that you really like you, I, you wish that they at least had a chance to go to to, to for, for a chance for you to see them in theater because yeah, some yeah. of them some of them like are so pure glorious cinema that you you've really just even if they're not like lawrence of arabia scale epics some of them you really kind of want to see in the big screen they just they just you want that experience and I mean, even the filmmakers themselves are kind of robbed of the of that. You know, what I mean, it's just mm-hmm. one of the few, you know, not one of the few, but one of the great experiences of of just seeing my own stuff shown in a theater. You know, whether it's a short or something was was actually seeing it's a thrill, a, a, it's a, a, it's a, a response from the audience, a response you didn't expect, a good one, a bad one. You know, what I mean, it's a that's like the the feedback loop of, of that that doesn't exist anymore yeah. for a lot of filmmakers. Also, the whole uh, Denny Villeneuve, Chris Nolan thing, I feel like having thought about it and, and thought about the position that the studios were in when they made the decision to do a half and half thing, I feel so bad for Denny because, I mean, Dune on a on a fucking laptop? Yeah. God. Come on. Come on, man. Like, Ooh, I even mean, my big screen, like, no, it's not. No, it's not. I need that sound. I need to I need to feel like I'm on Arrakis because the sound of the sand is so fucking loud that it's like 
penetrating my goddamn soul. I mean, like that. at the end of the day, one of my favorite things to do. I keep saying at the end of the day. I gotta stop saying that. We gotta put it like an end. Of, I gotta put an end of the day jar. I, I feel like I. I listen. I'm more. I'm not as, you know upset by it all the time i want cinema to live but i also really enjoy just like blasting through movies on my couch you cannot see dune on the fucking couch no no like like you can't that movie is meant to be on a large stage and you're supposed to take it in like imagine trying to imagine if the first time you saw that you know blade runner 2049 was on a small like you need to see it on oh. the big screen that's what I mean. And like, it's not and like, the same fucking thing. It's like, okay, fine. So like you, you can take in the story, but you're not getting the experience that, you know what that is, is intended there. You know what the equivalent of that is, is, is uh, going to a steakhouse, getting a, uh, uh, 90 day aged, uh, uh, uh fucking steak and getting it well done. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what that is. It's just, <laughs> it, 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 disrespectful, to everybody who worked on it, to the animal that died for it. <laughs> like, yeah. like, it's just, it's awful. Do you and know it what doesn't give you the full experience. It doesn't give you the yeah. experience of what it yeah. is. Yeah. Buddy, this was massaged by, this This Kobe beef was massaged by people for 90 straight days. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah. I, I completely agree. Like, at some time, like, I'm, we're in the Warner thing. Like, how do you think it's gone for them so far with their releases? Like, have we anything? Like, have we really learned anything new about the market? You know, what, what what's the long term effect? You know, and what the effect on the relationships with the filmmakers is going to be? Yeah, well, like, I mean, I just know what some of the the most important filmmakers today think. You know, Denny Villeneuve, you you read his uh, statement. It was ten times worse than what Nolan said. Absolutely. Do you think though that? It will like it will cause them to make different decisions about where they're going in the future. Yeah, if if it if it continues like this, yes. Like it, like if you're asking Denis Villeneuve to come out and do a Dune scale type of film, he's going to be like, "Where is it going to be shown?" Is the first question he's going to ask. Is it going to be on my laptop or is it going to be in the cinema? And if it's on my laptop, see you later. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be like fucking yeah. Tabernacle. We can't fucking yeah. put that tabernacle there. So, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. I think, and rightly so. Yeah, definitely. And and I think what it comes down to is that you know we, we know no matter what corporations are going to filter every choice through what's best for their bottom line. And I think the streaming, the going to streaming choice was you know, uh, and of course when 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 it does affect their bottom line, it's it's a it's a very quick action you know relatively quick turnaround to their industry is you know we're going to do all the streaming stuff uh because of this pandemic and but what it comes down to when it, now that it's possibly ending at least in the u.s market is it, what you said is like yeah if denny Villeneuve, you know or some other or like a tom cruise says no i'm not going to work with the studio because they're going to put my shit on a streaming service i'm not a fucking tv actor they they you know they're going to go to another studio and that's where maybe that you know capitalist free market competition comes into play which is if another studio sees oh there's money to be made because all this talent is coming to us because we're still going to release stuff in the theater well then you know the bottom line comes you know that's becomes a now a risk for the studio that went streaming so we'll i think see. that's a good point maybe because maybe not, yeah, yeah maybe then like the tom cruises and Denis Villeneuve's and christopher Nolan's, maybe they will break the studios into you know two lines of of the like, streaming or 
or uh, or you know theater release, and so, you know maybe that's a good thing. I think that's going to be the carrot. And I was sorry, I was interrupting because I, I, I had that thought that it was probably could be like become the carrot that, like for example, what Netflix uses in terms of artistic freedom for series writers. You know what I mean? We'll stay out of it. You have your showrunner. You do your show, and people fucking like that. Just make sure you just make sure you deliver yeah. it to us, and that's why they're able to like get Ava DuVernay to sign a fucking long term deal and all that kind of stuff. And I think that this idea of theater release could be that equivalent in terms of where content creators yeah. want to go. Having said all that, that all comes to a screeching halt uh, if the pandemic you know, goes to evolves to if the if COVID evolves to something else, you know, mutates again, takes, you know, goes beyond what vaccines can handle. And uh, this nightmare just keeps going, right? Because then what what are these people going to do? Like either never going to nobody's ever going to see their movies again, or they're going to put risk at people, put people at risk to, to go see it. Like, you know what I mean, they this possibility of we're talking about where maybe these content creators now have some leverage over these studios um, might not happen if this pandemic gets worse. So it's, you know, hoping for the best. But yeah, I mean, that would be the worst case scenario. And hopefully it, it doesn't come to that. But I mean, I, I, I do think that the pandemic regardless has changed this. I think especially with some of the like I think we were talking about it a little bit on uh, the podcast that we did about the Snyder cut with Omar about how you know just from the success of the Snyder cuts release solely on a streaming service and the amount of people that watched it it does have big implications for mm -hmm. for what they're going to put on streaming services my hope because I'm not anti-streaming service at all. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of mm -hmm. a lot of the series I've seen. It's definitely given creatives a chance to spread their wings to really develop some interesting material. And and I think at the at the end of the day, Kyle, put one in fuck. the jar. I got um, fuck. <laughs> um, I think ultimately it it should come down to the material that you're working with, and and, and if the material is good enough. And 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 it's good. The audience will go and find it, um, yeah. regardless of whether it's on a streaming service or whether it's in a theater. I'm just hoping that the studios and the and the creatives involved have the foresight to understand what should be in the theater and what shouldn't be, and that and that we still have this amazing thing which is going to the cinema to see yeah. to, to to see stuff that can that that's all I want. Yeah. We can have this. We can have both worlds coexisting peacefully as long as they're both still around. Yeah, no, I agree with all that. And I think I don't know if they have the foresight. Uh, they haven't proven to have that uh, too much in the in the past. Uh, and one of the things that, that I don't think they have foresight on and, and, and what I want to kind of comment on in this is that I think there is a bubble that's going to like the tech bubble kind of, but a bubble that's going to burst when it comes to streaming services. I think studios are we you know with all these like now brand new streaming services competing for everybody's dollar and sort of the devaluation of content by having so much content on these streaming services like netflix um when we started the whole streaming service thing 
uh, I think they're going to discover that there is a limit to how many streaming services people are willing to pay for. Uh, there's a limit to, you know, how many, how much content, because like once you're buying into a streaming service and you're using it, if you're, if you're careful about like, Hey, I'm not watching this anymore. I'm just going to cancel. If you're smart about that as a, as a, as a consumer, what that means for them is that either, either they have to be creating so much content that it's insane or, or, or they have to make it cheaper, which is going to devalue what they're making or they're going to, or, and, and, you know, ultimately, like you said, it's, or sorry, as you said, ultimately, uh, what it's going to happen is that people are not going to go to these streaming services. They are going to ignore this content or get it in other ways, uh, maybe by not paying for it or, or waiting, it, waiting for it to come to Netflix or something like that. And these, these other streaming services are going to die because they can't compete. You can't have 20 streaming services all trying to pump as much stuff as possible that'll make you keep coming back yeah there's absolutely going to be media convergence like in terms of this because they can't all exist Mm -hmm. things will have to start buying each other and it happened in video games by the way you know steam Steam started it and then all these companies started making their own uh uh digital stores and then eventually they discovered well we just can't we just can't keep as many people like buying stuff here because we don't have enough as a studio to provide all the content that they want so now they're coming back to steam uh, and and they're cross sharing subscription yeah. services between each other yeah. so if you pay for one you also get access to another one which is this is why i think mm-hmm. the, the landscape is going to change especially probably in like five years when these start going away certain ones won't Disney won't, Apple won't, just sheerly based on the fact that they have just have so much fucking money and that, like, this isn't a mm-hmm. primary thing. for. I, I think Netflix will still be around, although, I mean, Netflix doesn't have this massive... It's not like Apple or, like, Amazon or something where there's this company behind it that does a bunch of other stuff. It's, I mean, they're kind of, yeah, you know, tied to their business model, but I think at the end of the day they're putting, fuck... I think they're putting together good content. <laughs> I mean, we haven't had media convergence yet, which is inevitable because there's so many, as you're saying, there's so many streaming services like the Paramount. I didn't even know Paramount had a streaming service, right? And that's a huge fucking studio. Maybe I'm an idiot, but I, fo- I generally follow this kind of stuff. I think at the, at the point is that everyone just kind of has one now. Uh, so you're going to get all these different streaming services and it's gonna they're gonna get purchased they're gonna be enveloped they're gonna be uh we don't know what uh is still gonna go on with sports and how that's gonna affect things and that being uh entering uh you know esports as well is gonna uh, you know that coverage is gonna kind of favor and sorry factor into you know this whole situation so there's a lot of stuff still to go but I, I just right now I'm like I'm just how many are you guys subscribing to right now I'm doing fucking HBO through fucking Crave I'm doing Netflix mm-hmm. and I have yep. an Amazon but here's the thing about why Amazon was genius because like I have Prime so I have Amazon mm-hmm. yeah same uh, yep. I do also yep. still pay for Disney Plus. And yep. that was one of those services where I was like canceling it after Mandalorian was done. But now they're actually releasing stuff that makes me want to keep it going. I know. So. Fuck them. And they added, uh, was it like stars or something? I've got four. For free, yeah. which is uh, it helps because it yeah. has some good mm-hmm. older content. I was doing Criterion for a bit too. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think I had Sundance for a bit, but I literally watched <laughs> I, maybe I've, like yeah. two movies. Whoa. So, that's that 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 no that's, that's intense. What about you, John? Too? Holy shit! Um, I have four. I got Crave slash HBO, Netflix, Amazon because I have Prime and Disney Plus. Yeah, no, I'm so yeah. and that's it. That's my limit. Yeah. You, you get four. I also and that's have it. Apple because an iPhone was purchased in the house, but I'm not going to say anything bad about Apple because they employ me. <laughs> that's fair. Um, I like I guess like Apple will be an interesting one to see, sort of what else they put on there. Like, I mean. I I also just think I, I haven't really, I haven't been on my radar just because they don't really have enough to make me want to buy it. That's the only. Thing yeah, I, I definitely think Apple. that they they have right. to really kind of catch up in that term. You know, in those terms, I don't think. I also don't necessarily think they're like user interface and ux is particularly great either uh so i think there's a lot of uphill climb for them but the thing with them is yeah you can't really bankrupt apple uh so uh they're yeah. not worried about what's going to happen in the long term it'll just i mean they're moving their business model more to services anyways so it's or have or are just all are already in the thick of that so it's it's hard to say what's going to happen mm-hmm. in the future but i i definitely think there is going to be some crunch and it's going to be a lot different than we think it's going to be. It'll be interesting to see when there's just way too many of them, what happens because yeah, at some point people are going to be like, yeah. well, I'm not paying. And then libraries will get purchased this and many. things yeah. like that. You, you can yeah. only frag, like it's the same audience of people. You can only fragment the audience. So either, either you have niche services that only cater to certain tastes, right? Which is, uh, I don't think that's going to happen because it's it's a ex- very expensive thing to have your own streaming service. And if you can't do that, then you're really sharing audiences with each other. You know, it's you're sharing the general audience and the general audience only has so much money to spend on, on all these streaming services. And also like so much patience, like, oh, you know, I got to log into this one and then, and then this one. And then, you know, what if for some reason this was logged out, I got to switch this. Like, it's so, it's so clunky sometimes especially if you're if you're going uh, you know streaming it uh, uh casting it to your tv from a, from a device it can be con- sometimes clunky to switch from one to another to another you don't you save know, your passwords to... man i have like, one password no 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 go I mean, to like, hacker. i'm just saying if i'm <laughs> go to it bots regardless re- regardless of that but i'm just saying even just if, if i'm logged in into all these services and i'm and i'm using my phone to, to cast it onto my tv like even just that time between each is just annoying. There's just it's a yeah. clunky system, and I don't. I honest, I I can't wait for we for literally these to we literally it'll be went from a system yeah. of way too many multiple channels for an expensive model to way too many channels in an expensive model <laughs> again. So on that note, hallelujah. Uh, guys, we got to get going. Uh, we're going yeah. a little long. Uh, this was really great. And um, we'll see what happens. We will. All right, see you guys. It's a pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Peace.